This morning I begin with a reading from Isaiah chapter 2. We're going to be back in the book of Acts in just a few moments, but I, I want us to begin here in Isaiah chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. The word which Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it will come about that in the last days the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as chief among the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge between the nations and will render decisions for many peoples. As you listen to these opening words of the prophet Isaiah as he, he talks about some future things that will be happening within the kingdom of God. Initially what he's revealing, and he's talking about this future time in which uh, the kingdom of God is essentially going to see the nations and many people start to flood into that. A time is coming when the kingdom of God and those who worship God are, are not just going to be the, the Jews. But there's a time coming in which all peoples are going to be going to God and going up to Him for the purpose of worship, for the purpose of knowing and learning about the paths of righteousness. This, this is very much connected to what we've been talking about as we've been talking about the development and the spread of the church. But, as you look at that, what I want to draw your attention to, as you see these words on the screen, is that within that theological portrait, there is a, a, another nuance. There's something here that, as I, Isaiah speaks, he's painting a por portrait of the worshiper. You see, what he's saying in the picture he's trying to get is the fact that the worshiper of old always was going up to God, going up to his temple, going up to his holy mountain for the purpose of worship. And that makes perfect sense. First of all, it makes perfect sense literally because you see God's temple was up on Mount Zion. And for the worshiper to worship and be in the uh, ultimate presence of God, he had to go up. He had to literally ascend up that mountain in order to get there and to be where the temple and the glory of God resided. Well, that makes sense literally, but it also here, as we hear what's being said, it makes perfect sense metaphorically as well. You see, see the contrast. 
We have human worshipers. We have those who are earthbound. And they are attempting to worship and to uh, connect with God. They're trying to worship and connect with a God who we know is supremely higher. That he, his glory is, is beyond us. That he is exalted above the heavens and all things. And so it makes sense, this metaphor, that the worshiper, being as lowly as what we would, would be always somehow going up to God. This morning, as we return to our series, The Big Bang, um, the genesis of the New Testament church, as we return back to that series this morning, what just seemed to make perfect sense as I was talking about the prophecy of Isaiah and the portrait of the worshiper, what makes sense is all of a sudden this morning going to actually be turned upside down as we hear the words of Scripture. As Christ's church is now bursting forth as we look into the book of Acts, and as we see that Christ's church is, is erupting and bursting forth on the, the scene of humanity here from the day of Pentecost on, what's happening is that something very new and, and, and unimaginable is taking place. And Luke reveals that in these words, words that we're familiar with and we've been talking about off and on in this series, but I want you to look at it again. As Peter says, repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. He, he goes on and he says something else here that's essential and important to our understanding this morning. And he says that when that takes place, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In this series, we've been talking a lot about new things, right? I started off talking about the new power. That's the new power of the gospel. And Bill talked about the, the new baptism. And Chris last week talked about the new disciple. But now as we look into this text, we're seeing something else that's new. For thousands of years, the worshiper of God has been going up to God. He's been going up to God physically. He's been going up to God to his temple on Mount Zion. But he's also spiritually been going up to God, going up and reaching into God's glory and God's e eternal holiness. But now, something new here is happening. A gift that only God can give is being given to those who believe and are baptized into Christ. And this new gift that we're talking about this morning is a new resident. 
You see, as the baptized believer comes out of those faith waters of baptism, what's happening is, is they have and are given the gift of a new resident being the very Spirit of God. Now understand just how incredible this is, what's happening here, in view of everything that I've been saying. That at this point in time, that it's not just, not, not only is the worshiper not going to be going up to God, and not only is God now going to be coming down to the worshiper, that's mind-blowing to me in and of itself, but he's not just going to be coming down, but all of a sudden the very Spirit of God is going to be coming in. <laughs> he's going to be coming into the worshiper. That's mind-boggling to me. That's a huge change. It's a change that Paul wants us to see. The, the New Testament talks about it over and over and over again. But Paul says and makes it very clear and simple in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16 when he says, Do you know that you yourselves, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And listen, and that God's spirit lives in you. That's the shift. That's this huge deal, this big shift from us always going up, going up, going up to God. Now, all of a sudden, God has not only come down, but he's come into us. Is that not just incredible for us as worshipers of God to realize that truth is taking place? Now then, uh, put a pin there. Um, for a moment, I'm going to come. I'm going to come back to that. But here's what I want us to see. We're talking about something monumental taking place here. The monumental uh, aspect and reality of the residency of the Spirit within the worshiper. But as monumental as what that is, here's the interesting thing. As we start flipping through the pages of Acts, it's not going to be the residency of the Holy Spirit within the worshiper that's going to get highlighted. It's going to be the power of the Spirit that's going to get highlighted. I mean, from the very opening uh, words almost in Acts, look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we find the promise of the power of the Spirit that's now going to be coming. And that power is going to be displayed over and over and over again all the way through Acts. We start with this, this promise of the coming power of the Holy Spirit. And then we begin to see it uh, unfolding in, in, in moment and situation after situation. We see that power at work in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. We see that power at work in Acts chapter 3 and verses 7 through 8. We see that power at work in Acts chapter 4. Are you keeping up? 
But as you keep going through in Acts chapter 6, in Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 11, we're seeing the, the miraculous activity of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 19, in Acts chapter 20, in Acts chapter 21, over and over and over again, Luke is highlighting the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit of speaking in foreign languages in men. The power of the Holy Spirit being demonstrated through the healing of those who are lame. The power of the Holy Spirit that comes about as they uh, perform wonders and miraculous signs. As they cast out demons and as they cast out evil spirits. The, the demonstration of the power of the Spirit through prophecy and, and even the raising of the dead and so much more. You see what's going on here is that that Luke is highlighting not the residency of the Spirit within the worshiper, which I said was huge and monumental, but instead is highlighting that power of the Spirit. And the question is, is why? Why would he do that? And the answer is very clear and the very simple. And, and as, as a matter of fact, it's essential you see, there is an essential reason for highlighting and revealing and showing and demonstrating the power of the Spirit's activity because it's that Spirit's miraculous activity and working through these apostles and disciples that testifies to and confirms the truth of the message of Jesus Christ. That's why it has to be there. The Hebrew writer puts it this way. He says that this salvation was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testifies to it by signs and wonders and various miracles and the gift of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. You see, all of this highlight given to the power of the Spirit is important. Because it's that power of God that says what's being preached and what's being said about Jesus and his salvation is absolutely true. But even though Luke is highlighting that power, I'm pulling a pin out now, even though he's highlighting that power, Here's what I want us to see and to try to get in a grip of this morning. While that power was essential for the Big Bang, while that power of the Holy Spirit was essential for the spread of the gospel, for the spread of the church, the genesis and the growth of the New Testament church, while that was essential, that power of the Spirit, that power of the Spirit, listen, that power of the Spirit absolutely pales in comparison to his new residency within the disciple of Christ. The Spirit within is bigger than all of those things that were done externally. You see, the never-fading presence of God within us is eternally more vital than all of those signs and all of those wonders. What's inside of us, the spirit inside of us, is eternally more important and more valuable to us as worshipers of God. 
having the Spirit within us is greater. It's greater because of all of the great things that it says about us. As you think about it, and as we look at some passages, what you're going to see is how amazing and incredible and great it is to have the Spirit living within us. Our new resident, first of all, says that we have been lifted, that we've been lifted up to an unbelievable apex. That in Christ, we've been lifted up to heights that we could have never attained for ourselves. When we honestly look, when you do, and when, when I take time, and, and I look within me, and I look honestly at myself, I, I remember very quickly how imperfect I am. It is sort of like you were talking about, Ty, even though I'm trying, even though I'm doing the best I can, when I look honestly, I see that I'm, uh, I'm faulted, right? And so when I see that and when I understand that, it makes it very uh, difficult for me to believe at times that Christ has actually taken me, that he's actually reached down into the depths of my impurity and the condemnation that comes from sin, that he's reached down and he's picked me up and he's now lifted me to the heights of impurity and holiness before God and the redemption that comes in that. It's hard for me to get that in my head and see that about myself, but that, that is true. It's hard for me to believe sometimes, even though I read it, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11. It's hard for me to believe that I have been washed and I have been sanctified and I have been justified in the name of Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit of God because I, I keep seeing myself. But that's why this indwelling, that's why the residency of the Spirit is so important Because it's the residency of the Spirit that tells me that that is in fact true. Even though I can't see it, and even though I might not feel it, I know that the Spirit was promised to me, and the Spirit was given to me, and when that happened, God, through Christ, lifted me to the apex of holiness. And I know that because His Holy Spirit couldn't live in me if that wasn't true. But praise God, it is true. And the Spirit speaks to that truth every single day of our lives. But but that's not all. You see, our new resident also says that we live with ultimate assurance as we walk through this life. Listen to Paul's words again here in Ephesians. He says, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal 
the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are, in, who are God's possessions to the praise of His glory. Our assurance, according to the promise of the gospel, you see, our assurance is that having heard the gospel and, and, and having believed the gospel and having obeyed, I'll say, that gospel, that God, in fact, sealed us or he designated us as his possessions, that we belong to him. Now, track with this. If we belong to him now, as sealed by the Spirit that says we belong to him, and if we belong to him, we also belong to his salvation, don't we? And we also belong to his grace, and we belong to his mercy, and we belong to his forgiveness, and we belong to his promises, and we belong to his blessings. We belong to everything that God is and has for us because he sealed us with his spirit and said, you're mine. But, but he goes on here and he says, not only is the spirit, the seal within you, it's also God's guarantee. He put this guarantee in your life, this deposit, that one day, because you're his possessions, he's coming back for you. It's a guarantee that not only has he saved you, and not only has he put you in his earthly kingdom to the praise of God, but he's also one day coming back to take you and give you that eternal inheritance that he's been promising. And that is the glory and the majesty of heaven eternal. That's big stuff. Our resident also says about us that we have this supernatural assistance in our lives. Listen to what Paul says again as he writes to the Romans. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the minds of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to God's will. Isn't it a great encouragement for you this morning that God has not left you to your weakness? That God has not left you to be uh, un your spiritual reality and, and, and fervor to be undermined by your weaknesses? Especially in the area of prayer. Do you have those moments when you're wondering if your prayers are really communicating to God? If they're getting above this high? If somehow you're actually able to pull out of your heart and out of your being the, the, the things that you really want to say to God and communicate to God and, and, and say, this is what I need and this is what I need you to understand. God, do you ever feel like you don't have the words to say that? Well, guess what? That's okay. Because it's not just simply you anymore praying. Because you have the residency of the Spirit. He is now interceding on your behalf. 
Now, understand this, and I can tell by the looks on your faces, you don't even get it yet. Now, what I'm, what I'm saying is, is it's not just you praying anymore. It's God talking to God. Because when we pray, the Holy Spirit God turns around and starts communicating to the Father God just what it is we need and just what it is we need Him to know about us for our good. (laughs) Amazing. The supernatural assistance of God, His Spirit in our lives. You see... In just these three aspects, just these three aspects of the Holy Spirit's residency in our lives, they not only say amazing things about us, but they give us and assure us that we have an incredibly blessed life in Jesus Christ because of the Spirit that dwells within us. The moment. That he came to reside in us. There's a reason, a a lot of reasons, but there is a reason, a particular reason this morning why I preached this lesson. You see, at times, it seems like, and and I've even heard it in, in, in certain ways, I get this impression that somehow we feel like we've missed out. That somehow, and I hear and I get this impression that we as Christians today somehow feel like we missed out on the bigger and the better part of the Holy Spirit. I mean, when we look and we realize that I can't, I can't heal those who are lame. I I can't cast out demons. When I realize that I I can't raise the dead or do those signs and miraculous wonders like the apostles and some of the first century disciples did because that kind of miraculous activity of the Holy Spirit reached its conclusion as those disciples and apostles died. As I think about the fact that I can't do any of that, I might think to myself that I have been shortchanged in the Holy Spirit department. (laughs) I I just got the Spirit in me, but I didn't get all that cool power. Oh, brothers and sisters, that's that's so wrong. You see, the truth and the encouragement this morning is that we haven't missed out at all. We haven't missed out at all. I believe we have, listen, I believe we actually have the greater gift. We have and are experiencing the Spirit's powerful testimony that we are made holy and have fellowship with God. We experience that power of the Spirit every single day. We experience the powerful assurance that we are God's inheritors destined for the glory of heaven. We experience that power every single day. 
And we're experiencing the Spirit's powerful uh, assistance in our walk of faith to help us with our weaknesses every single day. We're not missing out on the power of the Spirit because He is active in our lives every single day. Do you see this? The Spirit's power in us has become the Spirit's presence. And I'm telling you, it doesn't get any better than that for us as the disciples of Christ. This morning, it's new. It's the new resident. And the question for us all, is that new resident within you this morning? Have you had that experience where you've heard and believed and repented and, and, and walked into the waters of baptism like Aaron did this, this morning in order that you can receive all of this, this, this power of the Spirit residing within you? Do you have that? Don't you want that? It's yours. If you'll believe this morning and you'll be baptized into Jesus Christ. If you don't have it, get that spirit this morning while we stand and while we sing.